This podcast is called Obsessed. Joseph Scrimshaw and his guest get some secrets off their chest. You should listen. It's the best. Hello and welcome to Obsessed with me, Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm sitting in my home with a great guest. He is an actor, an improviser, a podcaster, and I would say a man about town. Well. It's Mark Gagliardi. Hello, Joseph Scrimshaw. (laughs) Thank you for coming and being here. I'm glad we could finally do this. I'm terrible at emails and it's been (laughs) months of like, I'd love to do it. Yeah, let's do it. And then I vanish. So finally, I'm happy to be here. I've been excited to do the show. You are sort of the Zorro of email. There's a a mystery, a mystique about it. (laughs) Exactly. When will that masked emailer strike again? Ooh, every once in a while I open my emails up and I'm like, oh my god, I'm a groomsman in a thing. <laughs> well, this That's next week. Far less important okay, than groomsmaning. This is just having some fun talking about your obsession. Oh, yes. Uh, but can you tell people, sad, poor, lost souls who don't already know who you are, like who you are oh. and what you do? Uh, sure, those, those sad, poor, lost souls <laughs> who have never seen uh, uh, Drunk History on Comedy Central. Yeah. I, uh, I've been doing that show since its inception you in were my like living room. The first video, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that was one. That was kind of a big one. Um, and then uh, I do a show called Thrilling Adventure Hour. Yeah. Uh, and uh, there was a, a popular podcast that we had a great time doing for a decade uh, with my comedy <laughs> partner, Hal, who I work with now on a show called We Got This. But I think most importantly for today's topic, yeah. I was at one point the mayor of Disneyland. The actual uh, mayor. The the Well, the mayor of Main Street, but that serves as the de facto mayor yeah. of Disneyland. I mean, that's not another mayor, right? Yeah, exactly. Like a... the Pope of Rome was, <laughs> you know, the Still Bishop of the Rome Pope. was the Pope. <laughs> Um, there's a mayor in Frontierland. Um, okay. But he's really just there for uh, the, the gunfight show. Right. He's just a front. You yeah. laid down actual laws. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> had people arrested daily. <laughs> um, and then I did the Aladdin musical there for a long time as the genie. I was, okay. uh, I was in that cowboy show, uh, Laughing Stock, which used to have a gunfight element that was taken out, you know, uh, considering the times and rightly so. Right. Um, and, uh, and I was... Uh, I, I don't want to give too much of uh, a couple of the things that I oh, did okay. away. There were some things that uh, people didn't know there was a person involved in doing them um, like that I did. Things that people don't realize, like, that's a human that I interacted right. with? Right, exactly. So you might have interacted with an inanimate object yes. at Disneyland. If you, if you interacted with a couple of different inanimate objects at Disneyland, <laughs> they may have, in fact, been me controlling them. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I worked at Disney for uh, for nine years and then uh, at Universal for uh, eight. Okay. So would you say your obsession – now, a lot of people want to talk about Disneyland mm-hmm. or Disney parks in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but since you know that world, I wanted to talk to you about it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know it from as a fan and from the inside. Is your obsession theme parks in general or Disney parks or Disneyland? I think it is Disney parks. Okay. Because there's something that – and I loved working at Universal. Yeah. Um, I, I had a great time. So in that regard, I would say it's it's uh, theme parks in general I enjoy. A yeah. good one. Like a, a There's a difference, I think, between a theme park and an amusement park. Oh, right. Um, and a very they're very different things. Coney Island, I love. Yeah. Coney Island, you have a couple of beers, go ride the Wonder Wheel. It's a great time. But it's not trying to be anything else than that. It's not like trying exactly. to make you think you're somewhere else. Like you are aware you just ate a hot dog and now you're flying around. Right. And that's it. Yeah, it's I'm not being put into outer space or ten feet away into a pirate uh, cave. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> um, so yeah, for me, it's it's specifically the dark rides that I love. Okay, but I, I guess I could say theme parks in general. But with a, I majored in theme parks with a with a 
concentration in Disney. <laughs> okay, so let's just go right into your actual Please. experience then. Yeah. So the main one, the one you go to then, is being mayor mm-hmm. of Disneyland. What what does the mayor actually do? What did that entail? <laughs> what were your responsibilities? Did you have a key? I, I did not have a key. Though I did have a key when I was the cop in uh, California Adventure. <laughs> I had a big set of hilarious keys. <laughs> wacky oversized yeah, keys. Wacky huh? oversized keys. Um, no, as the mayor, it, it, this was created, it was a, a, a piece that was created for the 50th anniversary okay. in uh, 2005. So I started working there actually at the beginning of 2005. Uh, and then uh, through 2014, okay, uh, when I moved to New York for three years, um, and so it was the, the mayorship only existed <laughs> for the 50th anniversary. It's it's not like it is in Florida. In Florida, they have someone who walks around who is the mayor of Main Street because it's okay. a, it's a, for those who don't know. It's why are you listening to a podcast about Disneyland? <laughs> but um, or unless they're just fans of yours, uh, which is. Most likely, if they're listening to your show, uh, someone is the mayor of Obsessed. Right. I'm sure, but yes, yeah, no. But are you the mayor of Obsessed? <laughs> no, I don't want the responsibility. Oh. <laughs> That's enough to do this damn thing. I don't have to be the mayor of it too. All right, so it, um, it's the the Main Street is the right. one that kind of connects everything. Right? So Main Street, the the way that all of the Disney parks are, it's a hub and spoke system. Right. Uh, there's a Main Street when you walk in the front door called Main Street USA. It looks like uh, the 19 or, or early 20th century. Um, like if you ever saw Meet Me in St. Louis, yeah, uh, Walt Disney was from uh, Missouri. And that sort of it's it's that aesthetic. Okay, yeah. Uh, then you walk up that main drag toward the castle, which is always right at the far end of Main Street on the other side of the hub, which is a central uh, circle from which all of the spokes uh, extend. And the spokes are Adventureland, Frontierland, Tomorrowland, uh, Fantasyland, you know, the classic uh, Disney uh, pieces. So my beat was... Main Street, that that front main okay. drag of the park uh, for that particular gig. Like I said, I did dozens of gigs there over okay. the years. I was, there was basically a bullpen of actors, and they would just kind of put you in a in a thing. But this one was a lot of fun because we began every morning. I had two main responsibilities. Every morning at 10 a.m., I would open the park with, and it was crazy. It was so much fun. There were like four mayors. There were like okay. four guys that did it. We were all on a rotation. Um and I, I would stand up in front of the crowd that had gathered because they hadn't opened anything beyond Main Street. Yet. So it was just like a mass of humanity, mass waiting. of humanity waiting. I am, uh, you know, probably two two stories up uh, the hill where the train depot is. Okay, and I'm standing at a podium delivering about a five minute speech. Um. Oh, yeah. While people wait. While, while they're just like, wait. I just want to get to Space yeah. Mountain. Uh, but, well, they've. Uh, it helps that surrounding me are Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Pluto, and Goofy. <laughs> okay. The big five. Uh, and at the base of the train depot was the uh, the Disneyland band. Okay. All in their, in their dress whites, looking very sharp and sounding beautiful. And they're all world-class musicians. And, uh, and I would begin this. I would do the speech. And then... The band would play When You Wish Upon a Star, Aww. and the, the Big Five would wave, and they would, no kidding, release doves <laughs> from behind me. Uh, so that was one of these moments where I'm like, 
oh my god, I feel like a Vita right now. Yeah, was it like, like keyed to a morning. hand gesture? Like you had the power? It was, like to, when... a mu- it was to a music cue, okay. but you bet your ass I decided it was uh, set to a hand gesture. <laughs> I do the same thing when I walk into the grocery store, though. I know that it's an automated door, but I pretend you do, I'm you a do Jedi. The hand wave. Yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Right. So you did the Jedi Force move, that, which is dove release. That launched doves. A new and, Star um, Wars power coming soon. Yes, and they're they're very humanely treated. The doves, oh, yes. for for uh, your listeners to know, uh, the way it works is basically a guy shows up every morning with a crate full of doves. It's like the dove guy. Yeah, the dove guy, and they're homing doves. Okay, really, they're just white pigeons. So do they take off and then just immediately they turn around home. and come back? No, they fly home. Oh, okay, so they they take off uh, at like overhead. Yeah, uh, in the direction they are aimed, and the direction <laughs> they are aimed also just happens to be. Toward their house, where okay. they just fly back to their roost, and then they get scooped up the next morning, and they do the same thing. Is their roost somewhere in the Disneyland property, or is it like no, do they have the a guy's motel house. room? Okay, it's at the guy's yeah. house, the yeah. Dove guy's house. They're yeah, the like... Dove guy's house. Like he he barely has to do anything. Wow. Um, though it would be great if they had a hotel room at like Paradise Pier. <laughs> yeah, like and they just really expensive ones. Yeah, so. they flew back to their the Johnny Depp suite. <laughs> the Dove. Did you know this is a place? Up. No. There's a Johnny Depp suite in uh, the Grand Californian Hotel. He loves coming to Disneyland. Okay, and that's just reserved for him. And that it, we, Yes, they will reserve it out uh, for people as okay. well. It's, it's sort of like the presidential suite. It's enormous. I did a gig there once. And, um, yeah, it, it's, uh, it looks like a little miniature mansion yeah. inside this hotel. They call it the Johnny Depp suite because every time he comes, they uh, put him up in that. Okay. Yeah. And I'm sure they could release doves there too. Right. All right. So you said there are two uh, responsibilities of the mayor. One yes. was the speech. Was it just a, what was the speech? Was it just a like, you're going to have a great day or here's the history um, of Disney or? It was a little bit of both. It was, and there was a, a moment where they played a clip of Walt Disney. Let's see how much of it I can remember. Um, uh 50 years ago, I, like there was like an introductory. Oh, no, it began with, and my, my family loved this. It began with, thanks, Mickey, because Mickey introduced me. <laughs> uh, 50 years ago, on July 17th, 1955, Walt Disney stood here in Town Square and dedicated Disneyland to the young at heart with the hope that it would become a source of joy and inspiration to the entire world. Uh 50 years later, over 500 million, and from there, yeah, and just trails went, off. Okay, wow. 12 that's years ago. Amazing. Yeah, that was, that was a lot of fun. Did you ever, and I know this is the actor's nightmare, did you ever uh, drop a line? Um, did you ever have to be like, and uh, doves? The only time I ever got flustered was. Um, trouble for saying this (laughs) let me let me i'll just say this yes yes. just um the big five who are standing surround me yeah are not mic'd okay the crowd is far enough away (laughs) that the only people that they hear talking are the people who are mic'd okay so there was a moment when um Look, they're cartoon characters. Yeah. They're rambunctious and yep. uh, they like to have fun. And knowing that they were not mic'd <laughs> really tried to mess uh really tried to mess with me. So you're gently implying that perhaps, maybe, as you were delivering this beautiful speech, Minnie was shouting odd things. Um 
I'll, I'm not gonna. De- I'm not gonna confirm, confirm or, or deny, deny that. that. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so that was the one responsibility. The yes. speech. Uh, where you were heckled by the characters of <laughs> Disneyland. What was the other responsibility? Was the goal to kind of make people feel like that down-home charm of yeah. you're, you're walking along the street and you're greeting people? And yeah. Like, the mayor's a personable, friendly guy. Exactly. And that was most of my job was just meeting people and chatting with okay. them. And I got to know some of the annual pass holders who came regularly. Okay. Um, and then, so that was what I did for much of the day. And then the other big responsibility I had was I grand marshaled the 50th anniversary parade okay. every afternoon. And uh, we did a fun thing for it where we would just go around the park and we would find a family that looked like they were having a good time. Yeah. And we would say, would you like to be the grand marshals of our parade today? Oh, wow. Um, just completely randomly. And uh, and they would always say the same thing. How much does it cost? <laughs> Well-trained yeah, family. Exactly. And we would always say, absolutely nothing. We just do this every day. We pick a family yeah. and they get to be the grand marshals. You know, and magic. It was, yeah. It was always a blast. Now, if there were celebrities there, they would try to get them yeah. to be the grand marshals. Um, as an NPR listener, I was really excited that I got to uh, grand marshal uh, with uh, Paula Poundstone. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, nice. Very, very cool. Nice. Um but yeah, so uh, grand marshaling that parade in the afternoon was the other big responsibility, um, which was great because knowing how how this system worked and knowing that my mom was in town one day. Oh, really? I asked. I said, "Look, I know it's supposed to be random, but my mom's been a Disney fan her whole life. Can my mom be the grand marshal of the parade?" And uh, I guess it's just the times that we live in. Yeah. That uh, the response from my boss was, "Do you guys have the same last name?" <laughs> and I said, no, we no, do we not. And she said, then your mother can. Because uh, if they saw Suzanne Gagliardi, anybody that knew me would right, be like, oh, like come oh, on. come on, game in the system. Yeah, right. Wow. Okay, so this is, I'm really learning a lot that Disneyland has their, their surface of magic that they mm-hmm. do protect. Yes. As long as there's just a little bit of deniability. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You can get away with more. So I wanted to ask you, as uh, somebody who has worked there, we could do the mm-hmm. whole pa- podcast about your adventures working there, I'm sure, but I want to get a, a bigger picture. Sure. Are you still a fan now that you know the, the machinery behind the magic? When you go to Disneyland or Disney World, do you still experience the magic? Yes, uh, I do because the, uh, mine was I was a cog in the wheel. Yeah. I was one small piece of it, and I did my magic trick. Yeah. Um, everybody there is doing a magic trick, and there's one sort of grand overarching magic trick that's happening. Yeah. Um, and I still buy into it. I love it. I think it's I think it's a wonderful place. I it has its problems. It has its um, you know, uh Team Rodent, if you ever read that uh book. It's, I have not. What is the general criticism of Team Rodent? Uh, uh Team Rodent is, hey, this is a giant juggernaut powerhouse that throws its weight around uh yeah. in ways that it probably shouldn't. Okay. Um, which is a fair assessment. Uh, because, you know, it happens. Yeah. Um, and they're Disney and they can kind of do what they want. Um, unfortunately, for better or for worse. Uh, but, yeah, I still, I love it. There's something, because y- you got to think, too, I was working in just a few places um, within the park. Uh, the Hyperion Theater or uh, on Main Street or in Pirate's Lair, like when I was doing that show. Yeah. All of these different things are just small elements. There's every corner of that place has bits of magic to be found. Yeah. 
Um, and they like, they really pride themselves and do well surprising magic. Little, little things like even the thing that I did, going up to a random family and saying, now you're the Grand Marshals of the parade. That's a magic moment for a family that right. and uh, has never experienced something like that. And that's amazing for me to hear that the family's reaction was always, what is it going to cost? Yeah, they assume that I'm trying to sell them something. Because I think Even that- though I am clearly dressed <laughs> as a person who is not a salesman for anything other than his own mayoral campaign. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, how, am I going to have to vote for you? Is yeah. That, yeah. Uh, but there's something about the power of Disneyland to me. Now, I've only been there mm-hmm. once, but I've talked to people about it a ton, especially sure. since moving here to Southern California, oh, where, yeah. where people go go more religiously, yeah. um, where everybody recognizes that it is this giant capitalist machine mm-hmm. that if it wanted, it could probably just literally take over the world. <laughs> it could it probably, really is could, like, I mean, and they think about what they own now. I mean, yeah. Between the Muppets, Marvel, um, ESPN, yeah, Star Wars, Star Wars. yeah, I, and then you read that oh, ESPN isn't doing as well as they want, so Disney's really in trouble. Like, no, yeah, no, Disney you can is crush not us in trouble. All. Yeah, um, but people seem to be able to hold that truth. It's not like mm-hmm. blind devotion where people are sort of like, oh, I don't want to think about the icky truth of corporate power behind it. I just want to go there. Like right. people seem to be able to be like, yes, I am in the palm of crushing corporate power. Yeah. But it's really fun and, and beautiful and makes me happy. And uh, the fact that everybody would say, yes, I want the magic of being in a parade, but I'm also totally cognizant that you might try to charge right. me for it. It's <laughs> like, that's strangely healthy to me. Yeah. Well, we, we live in a world where there are giant corporations. They're just a part of life. Yeah. And we're going, there are some that are uh, using their powers for good and some that are us- using their powers for evil. And I think that the company that, you know, I mean, they make fun of like the smiley chipper Disney employees yeah. and everybody on the first name basis and all that, which is great. Um, but that, it, it is a huge juggernaut, but it's towards an end of good in the world. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like Monsanto. You know what I mean? They're not like a <laughs> they're not a ginormous corporation whose one job is to fill your food with chemicals and right. blow stuff up. Right. Like, no, they're they're a huge company, but their one job is to entertain people, and I think they do it really effectively. Right. They're in the corporate business of magic. Right. Um, I wanted to ask, is uh you you have your experience at Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Do you prefer Disneyland or Disney World as just a magic consumer? <laughs> See, it's it's a weird thing for me because I always will have respect for the history of Disneyland being the original. Yeah. That said, as a kid, I mean, this show is obsessed. Right. It's not place you worked. Yes. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I grew up obsessed with Disney World in Florida. We okay. went at least once a year. Uh, my entire childhood until I was 18 and moved to Chicago. Um, and even now, I was talking to my brother yesterday. We, uh, we're going to take my mom there for her 70th birthday just because we know how special that place is to her. And they're vastly different places. Yeah. Uh, Disneyland is built on a finite amount of space. So when they want to close some, or when they want to build a new thing, they have to close something. Yeah. Um, but in Florida, it's just this giant you know, hundreds of miles of swamp <laughs> that they can kind of do whatever they want with. So there's still more swamp to be worked with. Oh, yeah. In Disney World. It's amazing. Like Disney, the, the parks in Disney World in Florida, they're separated by miles of just forest. Okay. Um, And, oh, there'll be, yeah, there's there's room to triple the size of that place. Damn. Within the confines of Lake Buena Vista, Florida, which is 
a municipality that has exactly the same borders <laughs> as Walt Disney World, which makes all its own local laws and ordinances. And this is part of that book. Oh, so he there's wrote, an actual mayor of Disney World. There is actually a mayor of Lake Buena Vista, Florida. Which is the only border. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So when they make um, a decree, it's it's for real. Oh, yeah. Wow. And they really do throw you in jail. Yeah. Would you ever want to be actual mayor of that municipality? Oh, God, no. <laughs> no, my job was handing balloons to kids. <laughs> Not, you like, know, no. putting people in prison. We had, oh, yeah. man, real quick story. And then I'll get back to the no. Disney World part. Um, one of the guys that um, was the mayor also, a guy named Gary Clark. So good at his job, took it so seriously <laughs> that uh, a, a guest came in and thought, I, "There's this ice cream flavor that I've loved. I've always loved this ice cream flavor that they have in the um, in the ice cream shop on Main Street, but I can't find it, and they, nobody seems to know where I can get it. I know. I'm going to go talk to the mayor. <laughs> so this fan went and talked to the mayor, and God bless Gary. He was like. We are going to find you that ice cream. And within like two or three hours, he had tracked down that ice cream, had them bring it up from whatever deep freeze storage they had. <laughs> this could have been the... like from 1968 or something. Yeah, exactly. Oh, who knows? I mean, <laughs> he might have killed that guy. It, yeah. It may just be made of frostbite now. Like, the, or, uh, or what's that? Yeah. The frostbite. Frost, yeah. Um, yeah, so I thought, man, Gary is yeah. Gary's good at this. But anyway, back to uh, the Disney World thing. That was what I loved okay. as a fan. And it's also very different in the way that the parks are set up there. Is the Magic Kingdom in Disney World is basically the same park as Disneyland in California with the Main Street and the Hub. And yeah. The, the spokes of the different lands. There are other parks there as well that we don't have here. Uh, Epcot being my favorite of them. That's the big ball, right? That is uh, that is a big ball that is Spaceship Earth. Okay. And inside Spaceship Earth is a ride uh, that traces, because, you know, I'm a history nut. Yeah. There's so many things that they do there that are like dark rides. You familiar with dark rides? Uh, I'm assuming that you just mean scary? or No, uh, uh, the indoors, as opposed, indoors. To, as okay. opposed to like... <laughs> Uh, roller coasters, which you can see everything that's happening. Dark rides are like usually a boat or a track or something. I thought you meant like, oh, let's go down Crime Alley and see Batman's uh, parents killed. Like it's a dark ride. It's yeah. a dead Oh, man, oh, okay. this, that ride was dark. Okay. <laughs> that ride was dark. Okay, it's an inside ride. Now you have to go to yeah. Six Flags for that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a, one of the indoor rides that okay. have tableaus with audio animatronics. Nice. And... Um, and so many of the rides there, it's it's in divided in half. There's Future World and World Showcase. And Future World, uh, it's different pavilions based on different elements of society. So okay. there's one that's about transportation, the world of motion, which is gone now. It's been replaced by Test Track. Uh, but that was one of my favorites because you go in this ride and it's the history of transportation. Spaceship Earth is the history of communication. Oh, wow. Uh, the universe of energy is the history of energy, which is really just a ride through dinosaurs, <laughs> which are awesome. That one's also gone now, too. Um, Horizons was the house of tomorrow and, like, uh, the history of domesticity. Okay. Um, so that was Future World. But the best thing about Epcot is World Showcase. And World Showcase is, I think, 11 pavilions um, that are each uh, built by and themed to... The, a different country. Okay. So there's an Aztec temple uh, representing Mexico that you walk inside and with using lighting effects and a domed ceiling, they make you feel like you are in the middle of a Mexican plaza at night. Okay. Um, then there is, uh, you know, the, the Japanese pavilion has 
a little mall that has all these great Japanese shops okay. and this super quiet, beautiful garden. And even the it's the detail has always been my obsession with Disney is the amazing detail that they have down to the cobwebs on the candles in the Haunted Mansion yeah. and, you know, plants that are specific only to these countries. Uh, they're not, you're not going to see a plant that you would see only in Florida and not in Germany in okay. the German pavilion. All right. Makes sense? Yeah. Now, these details uh, mm-hmm. make sense to hook you as an adult. Right. Are they what hooked you as a kid when you're like, you're like 13 and like, I can't wait to go back to Disney World. What was getting you excited then? For me then, I think all of those different details are steps in the magic trick. Okay. I didn't realize it was a magic trick back then. Yeah. To only have plants from Japan or to have drummers come in from across the Pacific Ocean yeah. and do these shows in the afternoon. All I knew was when I walked into that pavilion, I felt like I was in Japan. Okay. So um, it was the power of going somewhere else? It was. It is. It's the For me, it was always the immersion of it. Yeah. Because I've always been a pretty imaginative person. Like, I mean, I hell, I went into acting. Yeah. Um. And so the idea of being in a place where I could look around myself in all directions and be surrounded by a world that I'd never been in before. A yeah. Moroccan bazaar. Morocco is one of the yeah. countries. And then when I step out, you know, five minutes later, I'm in a completely different world that every detail is perfect. For me, it was just a – it blew my imagination. And I like the thrill rides like – you know, there's the, they call it the Tour of the Mountain, Space okay. Mountain, Big Thunder Mountain, the Matterhorn, all these big, um, these big roller coasters. But that for me, for me, it was always about the attention to detail. And okay. I think it, it it was best exemplified in, um, now as an adult in World Showcase is my favorite. Yeah. But uh, as a kid, it was always like the Haunted Mansion or the, or uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. It was the dark rides were, as a kid, where I got really just obsessed with, oh my gosh, how did they do this? And it's it's just, yeah. Yeah, you just feel like you're totally in that world, yeah. and then you can also kind of step back and, and try to appreciate the, the trickery of, yeah. like, the magic of... Exactly. Uh, is there, like, a life lesson from either being a fan or working there where you have made, like, a decision uh, that is not associated to Disney or mm-hmm. working there, something, a choice you've made, like, in career or romance or financial where you could trace it back to? That's because of... Of my obsession with Disney parks. Um, hmm. Well, I, oh gosh, that's a good question. I mean, I dated uh, Princess Jasmine for three years. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good life lesson. Always date that's Princess not, no, Jasmine. That's, uh, as far as life lessons go, yeah, it, the, just as a general like way of living, yeah. I think a thing that, that that place taught me, among many other places that taught me this same lesson, was uh, simple kindnesses. Okay. Uh, if I can use kindness as a singular noun. Please do. Yes. Um, simple kindnesses do a lot. Yeah. Um, and I, I discovered that working there, and I discovered that just visiting there, being on the receiving end of them and on the um, – on the, uh, giving end of them. And also if you are in a place where everyone is positive, yeah, then where, where everyone, at least on the surface is positive, <laughs> you know, smile, just, just smile and yeah. say, thank you. Sometimes if you're having a terrible day, smile and say, thank you. And please. And hello. And yeah. how are you? And 
that will that can turn things around. Uh, it's amazing to see the positive energy that comes out of positive energy. Yeah. Now, are you cognizant of that then in your day to day life, or like if you go to the grocery store and you're in a little bit of a shitty mood, but you realize, mm-hmm. hey, if I take a deep breath and I like smile and let somebody else go in front of me, that yeah. it's suddenly going to start uh, being a better place for everyone. I really try to be. Um, I like to. I. I, I pride myself on at least attempting to yeah. do that um, and surrounding myself with people that do. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, that, yeah, it, it's just a, a little thing, you know, um, letting someone with uh, you, the, you mentioned the grocery store. Yeah. Perfect example. Um, let someone in front of you. Yeah. If uh, if there's a, you know, a person there that you like the hat that they have on. Tell them you like their hat. Tell them you like their hat. Nobody, yeah. nobody doesn't like being told that they have a cool hat on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody's going to be like, oh, what a jerk breaking this facade of people don't talk to one another to tell me I have a, a nice hat. What did he mean by that? Yeah. What was no, he implying? I mean, it's, I like your it's hat, really, man. It's, it's a really cool nice hat. hat. <laughs> yeah. At, uh, I was at Target a little while back, and I had a bunch of stuff, and I saw that a, a kid just had one thing, mm-hmm. uh, and it was with a, a parent. I was like... You guys can go in front of me. Like, yeah. Oh, thank you. And the kid was buying some toy tied to a movie. I can't remember what movie, but it was called a fart cannon. And it was like a little <laughs> air horn that you could squeeze and it would make farts. And it's like, this is just kindness everywhere. Like, I'm seeing this parental figure going to Target and yeah. saying, we're buying one thing and it's a fart cannon for you, kid. That's the only thing that they went to. I didn't even think about it's that. The only thing yeah, they walked like, out with. If you had a big basket of stuff and the kid was like, and you're like, oh, fine, I just get the fart throw cannon. Throw in your fart cannon. They yeah. went for the fart cannon. Yeah, and I felt like I wouldn't have seen that if I had not been uh, in that moment and said, you go ahead, you only have one thing. I wouldn't have even seen that it was the fart cannon. Made my day. I um, want to know what movie that was tied into. I, yeah, I wanted Jurassic World. I can't remember. It wasn't Jurassic oh, World. Oh, yeah, that was how they call the dinosaurs. <laughs> yeah. It's I, like a duck call instead of... <laughs> fart noises are how you call dinosaurs. Yes, life finds a way. And sometimes it's the fart cannon. <laughs> uh, I would like to take a fart cannon uh, and tie it to a movie, In meaning I would like to go sit in a movie theater with a fart cannon. Anytime you don't like anything, yeah. just let it go. <laughs> uh, all right, I have to ask you a weird question. Okay. Uh, I did an episode of Obsessed uh, where uh, my guest was obsessed with the theory that, well, that actual deaths that have happened at Disney, mm-hmm. how Disney handles them, and whether or not there are rides that are haunted or areas that are haunted. And and she came at this in a, a very great, like, I've actually studied this, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it was not uh, sensational. How do you feel about that? Are you a believer of anything like that? Do you I, think um, there's any haunted parts of Disneyland or Disney World? Look, man, that kid in Disney World that got pulled away by a crocodile is probably going to come back and finish his <laughs> visit at some point <laughs> as a ghost. Uh, that said... I don't know. That's terrible. I mean, that's in terrible taste. Um, I don't care. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I don't know a ton of ghost stories yeah. that aren't. Because, I mean, everything looks historic in there. Yeah. But it's not. They started building it in the 50s. Yeah. You know what I it's mean? It's not that old and It's ancient. not an yeah. actual old mansion. Yeah. Um. Which I guess is a testament to the uh, the magic of the Imagineers and what they can build there. Um, I will say there are some crazy stories that I have heard. Um, one that doesn't necessarily paint Disney in a great light from that book um, is that no one has ever died on Disney property. Yeah. And that is because 
the coroner waits until they're taken off property to pronounce them dead. So okay. technically, no one has ever died on Disney property. But you've had 500 million guests yeah. at one park alone yeah. since 1955. It's gonna Somebody's going to have a heart attack. You yeah. know what I mean? Uh, there have been some accidents on the rides, which is very uh, brutal. And I remember, oh, man, they uh, there were... There were billboards hanging for Knott's Berry Farm, for Knott's Scary Farm. Right. You know, they do the Halloween yeah. uh, big thing every year. Um, and their, their billboard said, everyone's got to go sometime. <laughs> and unfortunately, that was hung up within days of a terrible accident happening at Disneyland. Oh, no. Just down the street. Oh, no. Um, and, and I'm... I, that sign came down immediately. Imme- yeah, th- yeah, this sign has got to go. Yeah. Now. It was like, oh, geez, this is uh, well, we, we thought of this uh, at the exact wrong yeah. moment. Well, um, in a more positive version of this question, when you're <clears throat> behind the scenes, and I know you can only say so much right. about being behind the scenes, but do you f- does it feel? Are there parts that feel steeped in history? Like you know, when you walk in a theater, and it's not like mm-hmm. a feeling like, oh, it's haunted, but you can just almost feel like the legacy of this place. Very much so. So much great energy and great performances. Um, There is, I actually had it as my phone background for a long time. Uh, The Golden Horseshoe is the theater in, um, is the theater in Frontierland. Okay. Uh, And it's been there since it opened. You know, like it was the Saloon Girl Theater. Okay. And there was a performer there from the beginning of Disney and he was there for, God, 35, 37, maybe 40 years, like a very, very, very long time, uh, named Wally Bogue. Okay. You ever heard of Wally Bogue? No. Wally Bogue was, um, he was a classic vaudevillian, you know, put some chiclets in his mouth and someone would punch (laughs) Punch him in the jaw and he'd spit the teeth out. Nice. He did balloon animals. (laughs) He did some just really amazing, fun, family, like really, really incredible work. Yeah. And uh, Wally Bogue, from the inception of Disneyland, Walt himself hired him. Yeah. And uh, and while he was doing his show, he'd do, you know, four or five shows a day in the Golden Horseshoe. And at the time, um, a young man was working in the magic shop named Steve Martin. And Steve Martin used to go and watch Wally Bogue's show and uh, loved it. Yeah. He would go on his breaks and he would watch Wally and he just idolized Wally Bogue. And... Um, then when Steve Martin – and Steve Martin has said this flat out uh, in uh, Born Standing Up, his book, uh, when it was time for him to make his name in comedy and he started doing his routines, uh, the routines that he built were based on what Wally Bogue was doing. Oh, wow. Because it was the, it was a time when there were, everyone was Lenny Bruce and Richard Pryor and George Carlin doing really heavy, uh, important societal material. Yeah. And Steve Martin was sort of counter counterculture <laughs> in that he deliberately his show was on purpose, a conscious effort to just be as silly as possible. Yeah. And he borrowed a lot from Wally. So knowing the history of that room, when I was doing the cowboy show in that theater, yeah. there was always just a feeling uh, standing in the wings of, you know, this is this feels like an important place yeah like this is this place is physically the link between like the oldest american performances of vaudeville yeah to like this still modern exactly know, superstar you know yeah. what kind of cowboy show did you do what were you so we did a we do a show it's still there um so the show is called laughing stock it's been there for a very long time and it began out on the street 
uh, in Frontierland as a cowboy gunfight. Okay. So I usually would play the sheriff. <laughs> You're always this position of authority. Yeah, I'm always in the authority jobs. Well, the other position in that show, well, I'll get to that. So okay. there's, there's, there, it's just it started as a cowboy gunfight. We'd go up on the roofs and uh, between the buildings, and you're, you know, you're on top of the having a shootout on top of the Golden Horseshoe. Okay, and it was a lot of fun. Um, but you know, the Disney decided it was time to get rid of guns in the park. Which, yeah, great. Um, there was a, that that we would do once or twice a day. The main show, which also started on the street, but then moved into the Golden Horseshoe after Billy Hill and the Hillbillies, which is a show that ran there for a long time, <laughs> which is a great, great show in the model of like it was blue. It was great bluegrass musicians plus comedy like Wally Bogue. Did. Nice. So it was great. Everybody loved it. But that show moved on and um, they moved uh, Laughing Stock into the theater. Now, Laughing Stock was three characters. There's the mayor. It's the same cast from okay. the gunfight, uh, just playing different characters now. Uh, it's the mayor of Frontierland. <laughs> it is uh, Clem, the town doofus, <laughs> and the mayor's daughter, Sally May. Okay. Who was obsessed with marrying Clem. That was the show that we did there. But I met a lot of great people there, um, specifically doing that show and the improv show that I got hired in for, which was my first job there, which I caught the tail end of. A show okay. called Duh, the Department of Untapped Hilarity, which was just a short form <laughs> improv show. But I caught the tail end of that, and then once that show closed, they just kind of fanned that cast out into the park doing other things. But yeah, if you've ever listened to, or if any of your listeners know, Super Ego, um, all of the Super Ego guys, we were all at Laughing Stock together. Oh, uh, yeah. oh wow. Day, yeah. So if people go there now and, and sense a, a, a presence and energy there, it's the yeah. uh, history of podcasting in Los Angeles. That's right, yeah. You're standing on right there. Exactly. <laughs> a lot of, it's weird, like the L.A. comedy that has come through, and national comedy that's come through... Uh, the theme park world. I I just barely missed Kristen Wiig at Universal Studios. Oh, wow. She was uh, she was a theme park gal. Um, yeah. Uh, a lot of them came out of Florida too, and and worked in that. Yeah, I got a lot world. of friends. Yeah, who are at Disney World. Yeah, and, yeah, it's amazing. Well, it's I mean, it's it's great money, and it's great. Uh, it, it's a great job for an actor, uh, an unknown actor, because you're in a union. Uh, in Florida, it's equity. In LA, it's AGMA. Uh, you get paid nicely. Um, you're around a lot of other creative people all the time. Yeah. And, you know, it's a lot of it's, you got best of the best down there. Um, in the Aladdin musical, we had constantly people were going to New York to go do Broadway shows and then come back. Yeah. Um, and it's just a nice home base. It's, it's the only thing left that's close to vaudeville. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, and I, I uh, never worked at a theme park, but mm -hmm. I have done uh, children's theater and right. I've done uh, interactive theater where it is, it's all a little bit more physical mm -hmm. and it's a little bit more for a general audience. And there is something really nice to be able to experience both kinds of comedy where you're a little bit more cutting and acerbic and trying to make a point and other times we're just like i will do anything to make you laugh yeah is it time to fall down I'll, then it's falling down time yeah and that was <laughs> for a funny, the nice people that was a funny thing that uh i discovered uh doing the aladdin musical playing the genie because we got to write all of our own jokes oh for really the show. yeah because they wanted it to stay fresh yeah and uh <laughs> and we knew that um we knew that you we as the genies the guys who played the genie we knew never ask 
about doing a joke. Just do the Just joke. Just do the joke and apologize later. And apologize if later. <laughs> so there were a couple of times that I would try, and we would we would go out there and we would try some stuff. And I tried some stuff that had a little sting to it. Yeah. And it I would get it made me happy that I would hear in a full, a packed two thousand seat theater, I would hear like forty people guffaw. <laughs> but then I would be like all right, I'll play the game. And I would just say the word Kardashian, and the whole place would erupt. We know that. Yeah, we know a Kardashian. They are a safe people to yeah. judge and dislike. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we can get together and do that. Yeah. The disliking of the Kardashians. I wanted to ask you, if there was a Mark World section of Disneyland, Ooh. if they came to you and said, you know, we're going to get rid of Tomorrowland or whatever, and mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, Mark Gagliardi Land, what would that area be like? Ooh. If it looked anything like my apartment, <laughs> it would be uh, a lot of vintage. Well, it's kind of what Main Street was. Yeah. Um, I love vintage turn of the century, especially like I have a cop- I have the Sears Roebuck catalog okay. from 1905 at home. Oh, wow. And it would just be everything out of that. You know what I mean? It would just be like steampunky kind of watches and big iron stoves and old timey film cameras where the only movies that they had at that point were The Kiss and The Train. <laughs> uh, basically, it would look like the first room in the Carousel of Progress. Okay. Um, that, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you, though, I had an idea that Disney will never use, and I really wish they would. Oh, please. Um, with Tomorrowland. Because right now there's a bunch of Star Wars stuff in there, yeah. but that's all getting moved out. Um, and they're sort of retheming a lot of things. And Tomorrowland's a place that it's difficult to stay on the cutting edge. Yeah. Um, my my pitch to Disney, uh, if you're listening, Bob Iger, uh, if you're still – who's the president of Disney? Now? It's Bob Iger, Is Bob yeah. Iger still? Um, I would love to see Howard Stark's Tomorrowland. Oh, nice. Right? Because yeah. they have that big – they have a, this big 1960 – or 1955, I guess. What, what, like from that era, um, a great big white, red and white rocket. Yeah, that looks like an old like Saturn V, like yeah. vintage, like what like what rockets looked like in the Marvin the Martian uh, <laughs> cartoons. Yeah, uh, yeah, I would love to see Howard Stark's Tomorrowland. Oh yeah, that would be great. Yeah. Uh, would you want some of any of his uh, darker personality problems? Would you like there to be like yeah, a I w- sarcasm <laughs> hall? Yeah, I'd like there to be a sarcasm hall. I'd like to be there uh, for there to be a I didn't pay enough attention to my son ride. (laughs) That is a dark ride. Yeah, that's a dark ride. (laughs) Welcome to the world of parental (laughs) abandonment. (laughs) Hey, you know what? It made Iron Man. (laughs) It worked out. We're going to move on to our How Obsessed Are You questions. So these are questions or variations that I ask everybody on the podcast. All right. Do you think about Disney parks every day? I used to when I was working at them every day. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, but they they, they come into mind a lot. I mean, I have have some um, neo-vintage, is that what you would call it? Like shag, you know, that kind of vibe. Uh, Posters in my kitchen from four of the Disney rides. Okay. So... I guess peripherally, yeah. Yeah, you if see every them time, all the time I walk into my kitchen, <laughs> I see this, you know, dope seventies looking Matterhorn poster. So yeah, I guess okay. I do. Do you try to uh, use creative lessons that you've learned and apply them to your own projects? Like when you're working, you I mean you've got the we got this podcast mm-hmm. with Hal Lublin. Is do you ever actively think of like how would how would Walt Disney spice up this podcast? Absolutely. 
not even how would Walt Disney spice this up, but how would the Imagineering team yeah. tackle a problem like this? Okay. Um, and, you know, there are things that we do at Disney that I always love and I try to incorporate in shows because I think it's ridiculous, like uh, interacting with a video. <laughs> when a human interacts with a video, it is, if I could put that in every show I do forever, it would just be me interacting with screens around the room with assorted cartoons popping up on them going, oh, oh gosh, you're quite the scamp. <laughs> Would it would it always be in sync, or would it go out of sync every once in a while? Uh, I think that uh, it would go out of sync every once yeah. in a while. Maybe one time on purpose. Went to, oh, yeah, yeah. That shows a real mastery of, like, exactly. you think we fucked up, but we didn't. Exactly. Nice. Could you send a child to college on the amount of money you've spent at Disney parks? Ooh. Um, no. Because I always get in free. That's what I was curious about. Yeah. That's part of the reason I wanted to ask you that one. It's, like, it's nice. Like, you, I don't want to do. I never want to abuse it. Yeah. But um, I uh, one nice thing about working there is you have you get what's called a blue pass, which means at a certain level, you know, yeah. if, if you're working, you know, three four days a week there, you get a blue pass, which means you can sign in three guests into the park. Wow. Uh, up to sixteen times a year. Okay. Um, and that was always a real great yeah. thing. In fact, one year I hadn't used all of mine, a buddy of mine and I, neither of us had used all of ours. <laughs> it was right at the end of the year. And this was one of those like, yeah, make a moment for somebody. Why not? Yeah. Uh, we walked out to where they were selling the tickets. We walked out to the Esplanade in the center of the parks. I probably shouldn't say this cause this is totally, we're like, this was years ago though. Okay. They changed the policy and I don't work there anymore. Um, but we just went out there and we were like, you know what? It's it's our last day that we can use these. We might as well. We found a family of six. Oh. Uh, and we saw the dad like, it was perfect because my buddy Chris and I went out and did it. And we both clocked this dad who was looking at the prices and you could tell he was sweating them. He was like, oh, oh man, boy. I did not know it was this oh, much. That's a lot so of So Chris magic. and I walked up to him. We flashed our badges so that he knew we were legit. We're like, hey, we work in the park. Um... This one's on us today. And wow. He was like, wait, what? This is a scam. We were like, that's absolutely not a scam. Come on in. We just signed him into the park. So they all got in for free. Like, oh, that's awesome. It's just, yeah, it was our last day. We couldn't, we, you know, because then holidays are blocked out and then the new year starts. Yeah. And, and so we thought, yeah, just, you know, stuff like that. So that, I always do, I haven't paid to go to Disneyland in a very long time. Yeah. Um, is that just like a retirement perk now that you don't work there anymore that you still have some version of a card or no I just have buddies that still work oh yeah okay so you yeah. usually like and I can give usually, me the blue card exactly I can just <laughs> uh, and, and I don't like to do it often but yeah know, if uh, and, I, and the rule is you always go see their show oh that always course. drove me crazy when I would sign someone in and they wouldn't come <laughs> see my show I'm like man I signed you into this park they arrived come 10 see minutes Aladdin. late yeah <laughs> Yeah, you missed my mayor speech. Yeah, you missed doves, oh, assholes. There were doves over my head. <laughs> well, that is a, a beautiful story for the kindness and for your stressed dad radar. That's right? really cool that you can oh, just scan and go. That's the one. It's amazing when you work there long enough, you can start to pick out. Uh, I can tell where someone. I can tell what country someone is from frequently. Wow. Yeah, if you're wearing salmon-colored capri pants, you're from Denmark. Um, every time every time without fail and I learned how to say hello in a bunch of different languages oh, nice. and if you could clock someone guess where they were from and then say hello to them in their language yeah. it freaks people out and they love it um, freaky love nice yeah. 
when you start a conversation with someone you've just met, how long does it take before Disney parks come up? <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm I'm picturing some of the obsessions that people have as guests <laughs> on this show. So that question to me is so funny. Yeah. Like <laughs> like your guest who was obsessed with death at Disney. <laughs> How long into meeting someone do you talk about death at Disney? Very nice to meet you. Now I have um, to tell you about the Matterhorn. Yeah. Um, I guess it usually comes up pretty early on because it was such a huge part of my life yeah. for so long. And if I'm just meeting a person and just getting to know them, then... It's natural because it's, then it's, a- it's natural. You start talking about like your lives and... You know. Yeah. I did once meet a, a, a guy in a bar... Um, who uh, I ordered a, a pint, and he saw the Disney um, saw the Disney card, okay, uh, my Disney uh, ID in my wallet when I pulled it out to pay, and uh, and he looked over, he's like, oh, you work for Disney, me too. I said, oh yeah, no kidding. What do you do for Disney? He said, uh, he said, oh, I work in. Um, he worked for digital, uh, okay, like like doing sales for a digital Disney team. He said, what do you do? And I couldn't help myself. <laughs> and I had just gotten it, so it was dumb that I did this because I had to immediately buy another one. But I went, I'm the mayor of Disneyland. And I slammed my beer <laughs> and, like, glass, like, lit down on the counter. The whole beer? The whole beer. The whole beer? Yeah. Like, yeah that, you- just for the bit that was for no one but the two of us. And did he appreciate it? He totally appreciated it. <laughs> That's the best thing yeah. I've ever heard. We sat there and just had a had another. I ordered another beer and we yeah. shot the breeze for a few minutes. Oh my god, that's great! Yeah. Oh, all right. Uh, next question: If you supported a political candidate, but then they came out that they hated Disney parks, would you drop your support of the political candidate? Um, no, no. It's just too important. It's too imp- politics is too important to me. That's my. Other obsession. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, yeah, if, uh, you know, if Elizabeth Warren came out and <laughs> said, oh, I am not a Disney fan, <laughs> I would be like, fine, Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> one you. fewer person in line, <laughs> you do you, save us all, I will be on Splash Mountain. Fair enough. Elizabeth Warren can hate Splash Mountain and she gets your vote. Yeah. That's fine. I love that this is going to turn into, oh, my God, did you hear Elizabeth Warren hates Splash Mountain? (laughs) We're spreading so much lies. (laughs) So many lies. Would you end a relationship uh, with a friend or someone you were dating if they didn't like Disney parks? Um, No. That's different, though, because it's intimate. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is like, yeah, "Yeah, you're not going to go to Splash Mountain with her. But I would be I would be disappointed because it's something that I love to do and something that I love to share with a person. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I don't. I no. I. I don't think I'm at the level of. Obs- yeah. Oh, I'm. I'm a terrible guest. No, no, I'm no, not no. obsessed enough to break <laughs> up with someone over. Well, it. this is why I like doing the podcast, and I say this all the time because I like uh, talking about a spectrum mm-hmm. of what obsession can be. Do but a it, lot of people say yes to that? Yeah, sometimes I, when people say yes, it is mostly because they attach the fundamental, like the the thing that it represents, is so fundamental that by saying. Right. Uh, I didn't like Disney parks. Does that mean they're saying they don't like the idea of magic or spreading you positivity? Know, interesting. I guess using that metric, I yeah. would say I don't know that I would ever find myself in an intimate relationship with a person who didn't believe in magic. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that makes sense. So I think by default, um, yeah, I think by default someone would already have that 
In yeah, the, you know what I mean? Probably. I but hope. I also like your first answer because it matches what you were telling me you were first attracted to mm-hmm. when you went to Disney World as a kid, which is to go into different worlds and experience them. Yeah. Which suggests, like, I want to really understand different people and different things. Exactly. So it would yeah. be a fun experience to know a Disney hater. I know. <laughs> oh, I know a couple of Disney haters, okay. actually. Um, a very dear friend of mine uh, who shall remain nameless... Um, but has been instrumental in much of my career. Okay. Um, can be a real grump when he goes to Disneyland. <laughs> Is it because this person just cannot let go of the corporate side of things or a natural desire to rip open the magic? Yeah, I think it's the, I think it's the, I'm not buying, I'm not buying the fakeness. Okay. And, if I do any fakeness that I do buy into will immediately be crushed by the fact that I really hate crowds. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And by the way, for your listeners, if you hate crowds, the best time to go to Disneyland is the Tuesday after Labor Day. Okay. Uh, that little, there's that sweet spot between Labor Day and the week before Thanksgiving. So yeah. like September, uh, end of September, October, uh, where the park is pretty much dead. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, might well, no, now with the Halloween stuff. Maybe the end of sep the when's uh it's the last weekend is Labor Day? Yeah. You've got maybe a week or two <laughs> you can before the there. Halloween stuff starts kicking in and then it's just holidays for the rest yeah, of the year. Then it just parades everywhere. Right. You can't get anywhere because yeah. there's too much celebration. <laughs> exactly. Fucking joy oh, in the your way. Celebrating. <laughs> but yeah, I remember I was I was actually working that day. I did a bunch of shows and I still rode every ride in the park. Oh really? Yeah. On a day that I was working, like yeah. It's that empty on the Tuesday after Labor Day. So People that's will kill me if I don't ask. Do you have a favorite ride? Uh, yes, I do. Uh, my personal favorite ride is Indiana Jones. Okay. Uh, the Indiana Jones ride. Did you ride this when you went? Yes, yeah. I did. It's spectacular. Yeah. As far as, I mean, you walk into a jungle like Cambodian temple and that's while you're still in line. Yeah. The and, ride felt like a bonus after yeah, being in that weird with all the, exactly. the newspapers, with that great Lovecraftian vibe yeah. to like all the horrors he's encountered. Yeah. It's really, that. that's a great way of putting it. It's like the line itself is totally worth it. Yeah. Uh, and then you get the ride at the end and it's huge and epic and there's flames. and Yeah. Um, and I like the Jungle Cruise too for the vintage kitsch <laughs> factor of it. Okay. Cool. Cool. Uh if you had the power of teleportation but could mm-hmm. only teleport to one place, would it be uh, Disney Parks? This is going to make me sound like a really shitty world traveler. <laughs> yeah, I'd teleport to Epcot. <laughs> yeah, Because then I have 11 countries I can go visit. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's Get the a great food and the people the from... Yeah. I'm totally gaming the system on this. You know what I did right there? I just wished for more wishes. That's what I did. When you wish upon a star, yeah. wish for more wishes. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Duh. If it was, this is a weird question. I admit okay. it. If it was allowed, would you want to be buried at a Disney park? Ooh. Yes, because I know the landscaping would be immaculate. <laughs> Permanently. Would you... Uh, does it feel like, and I, I don't know all your beliefs in that, but does it, would it feel like in a uh, a place where you would want your, your corporeal remains to uh, experience? I, uh, honestly, I, I, I'm a spiritual uh, believer. Okay. Not, an agnostic spiritual believer who, uh, you know, spent Palm Sunday at Catholic Mass because, you know, tradition yeah. and uh, got to give a shout out to whoever is out there. I'm not quite <laughs> sure who it is. Yeah. That said, 
Um, I can give two fucks about my corporeal body once okay. I'm gone. <laughs> now, if my spirit realm was like, oh yeah, hey, before we go off to wherever we're gonna go, you think we could get one last trip around the great movie ride? <laughs> Though the great movie ride just closed, so maybe in the afterlife, the ghost of the great movie ride <laughs> is what is what spirits go stand in line for. That's great. So yeah, the I think it's a wonderful answer to the question of what is your spirit's favorite ghost ride? Yeah, it's uh, the great movie ride. <laughs> the great movie ride. Yeah, it can't be a ride that's still open. No. So the ghost ride world of motion horizons yeah. <laughs> horizons vintage oh man horizons i even remember the song new horizons for you and for me if we can dream it then we can do it yes we can yes we can yeah it was that it was awesome none of this ever and i know this is a criticism like n- that song to me is is if you invest in the magic it's beautiful mm-hmm. but if you have even a tiny bit of sarcasm it's saccharine yeah oh <laughs> all right this was a game that uh, i used to play with a couple of buddies of mine um peter vote i remember started it who is brilliant comedian um it would be make up a Disney parade song because Disney always they always uh, when they do a parade, they always like write a song that is specific to that parade. Yeah. But you just kind of mix up the gobbledygook words <laughs> and you get the power of imagination, the wonder in your eyes, the miracle of magic around you. Like not, that's you just throw these words right. into the mixer. Yeah. And, yeah. You can always make up a Disney song. The power of your eye. Yeah, yeah exactly. Be, yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. Uh, if you tried to go to a brand new Disney park, they opened a new one. Yeah. Other than Disneyland or Disney World, but there was a bear blocking your way. <laughs> Would you try to get around the bear? All right, which bear are we talking about? Is it Baloo? Is it <laughs> Brer Bear? If it was Baloo, I would walk hand in hand with him. Yeah. And we would smack our butts on trees so coconuts would fall and we'd catch him and walk in. You are a Disney fan. Yeah. Uh, no, let's say it's a, 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 a Berenstein bear. Oh. Oh, the terrifying Berenstein yeah. bears. Um, oh, yeah, if I could get around them without him trying to fucking read to me. <laughs> All right. If there is an actual yeah, bear. An actual bear. Of, like physical danger. Would you risk a little bit of physical danger? Sure. Awesome. I'd like to go see what that new park has to offer. Yeah. I'll risk yeah. a little physical danger for that. <laughs> Good. Plus, uh, I know that bears talk because I worked at Disney for so long. <laughs> I could just talk him out of the way. You could just sing a happy bear song. Yeah, exactly. About the power of your soul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the power of a bear's imagination. <laughs> the miracle in your claws. <laughs> <laughs> if every time you went to a Disney park, mm-hmm. someone else somewhere in the world lost $100 would you still go to Disney parks? Uh, can I pick who loses $100? Sure. Then yes. Yeah. If you can target it to assholes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You'd be at Disney every Doesn't day. Doesn't even have to be assholes. Yeah. I mean, I'd love for, you know, I'd love for uh, Steve Mnuchin to lose 100 yeah. bucks every time I go to Disneyland. But even if it's Elon Musk, dude just shot a car into space. Yeah, he's got he's the funds. fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I like that as an answer. You want to go to Disney uh, and every time have Elon Musk lose $100. <laughs> Where's your Hyperloop now, motherfucker? Yeah. Uh, all right, I ask everyone to make a noise to sum up their obsession. What noise can you make to sum up this obsession with Disney parks? Oh. 
That is a beautiful noise. Thank you. What is that from? That's Ariel. Oh. That's Ariel right before she loses her voice. Oh, that is beautiful. Yeah. That is beautiful. Uh, I rate everybody or ask them uh, to rate their own obsession on a scale of uh, one to how many uh, worlds are there in Disneyland? Six? Or is it Um, seven with Main Street? Main Street, uh, let's see. Um, Main Street, uh, I'm trying to do the clock in my brain. (laughs) Uh, Fantasyland, Tomorrowland, Toontown, um, Adventureland, Frontierland, New Orleans Square, Critter Country. Uh, and now Star Wars Lance is going to be yeah. nine. Nine. Okay. On a scale of one to nine, uh, one being the lowest, nine uh-huh. being the highest, how obsessed do you feel you are with Disney parks? You know, I think this works out perfectly because um, there are two lands in there that I'm not a huge fan of. So I would say of the nine, seven out of nine. Because <laughs> I've met some real nines. There. Okay, like yeah. some proper where the ears show up every day, yeah. know every detail about everything. Yeah. Um, our producer, Ken Plume, is one of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he knows that place backwards and forwards, every Disney park. Um, but yeah, I just, um, there will all, it, it may have diminished because of working there yeah. a, a little, but not much. Yeah. And I think uh, that place to me is, I will always have room in my soul for a little bit of its magic. Yeah, seven out of nine. That is great. Yeah. And and I think that tracks with what you're talking about because it, it seems to me like a big part of your life. Like you're, you're not answering yes to some of the more absurd how obsessed are you questions. Right. Uh, but it's so much of your life perspective oh, sure. in, in affecting all of the creative things you do and all Absolutely. the humans you know. How could you not be a seven out of nine? And I know Ken Plume is listening. Don't worry. You can still come on this podcast and we can talk about Disney parks <laughs> again. We can compare and contrast. We were going to do a We Got This episode uh, about uh, uh, Disneyland versus Walt Disney World. And uh, I was going to surprise Hal because we do that every once in a while. We yeah. surprise each other with topics so we don't over-research. And I uh, I started to launch into that, and he was like, oh, I have to stop you right there. Now, Ken wants to be the guest for that one. I was like, oh, man, I'm so ready to talk about this. So yeah, I'm glad I, we got to do this today. Yeah, I can't believe that you haven't done that one yet. I look I forward to it. Um, can you tell people where they can find you, where they can uh, find We Got This? Yes. Uh, I am on Twitter at Mark Gags. Uh, our show is called We Got This with Mark and Hal. Uh, we're on the Maximum Fun Network. And I don't know when this is airing, but we are currently in the midst of our uh, member drive. Oh, nice. So head nice. on over to Max Fun. Uh, check that out. Um, also, new season of Drunk History is uh, airing now, and uh, I got an episode coming up uh, telling the story of the Mona Lisa. Um, <laughs> so, the, the the specifically the theft of the Mona Lisa. Oh, nice. Um, some fun stuff in the works for Thrilling Adventure Hour. But yeah, Mark Gags uh, on Twitter is awesome. uh, is where I spend most of my digital time. Excellent. Uh, here are some quick plugs for this show, and then we'll do our final questions. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram is at Joseph Scrimshaw. You can follow Obsessed Podcast on Twitter and Facebook is at Obsessed Podcast. You can also check out the Star Wars podcast I co-host. That's called Force Center. For info on all my upcoming shows and comedy albums, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. And you can also support Obsessed by backing us on Patreon. For as little as $1 a month, you get access to our monthly patron-only bonus episode where my wife Sarah and I talk about something we are obsessed with in the moment. For info on that, go to patreon.com com slash Joseph Scrimshaw. All right, final weird questions. Okay. If you had the mutant power to turn your body into any substance, what might you want to become? Channing Tatum. <laughs> I accept this as a substance. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a reason? Do I get that? to keep my brain? Yeah, yeah. dude, super, super handsome. 
I still want to be a human. I'm really and I really love being a human. So not butterscotch or anything. No, not man. a substance, not no. oil. No, I would turn Tatum. my body into Channing Tatum's body. <laughs> that is smart. Uh, if you could burn a word or phrase into the moon so everybody could see it, what might it be? Ooh, adventure. Oh, nice. Just yeah. encouraging people to have yeah. adventure. So it would be an encouragement, not a warning. An encouragement. Like, watch out, adventure. If everybody looked up and saw the word adventure yeah. um, in every language yeah. or, you know, depend. The moon, the moon is always facing the earth in the same way, though, right? I don't We know. always see the face. We never see the dark side. I don't know smart space things. No, that's fair. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm asking because yeah. I don't either. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a... Uh, adventure would be the word. Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, that makes sense with your history as mayor that you would want it to show up in different languages. Oh, sure. <laughs> Uh, the final question for everyone on the podcast is, what is happiness? Happiness is whatever your obsession is, surrounding yourself with the people who not necessarily share it, but complement it, and taking care of each other. Awesome. I really like the answer of complementary obsessions to be yeah. like let's both kind of lose our minds over two different things at the yeah, same time exactly <laughs> i love booze hal doesn't drink but yeah. uh we are we are comedy partners and yeah. joined at the hip yeah. yeah and great comedy partners too thank, thank you, you so much for doing this oh it's, it's my been, pleasure thanks for having me absolutely that is our podcast you've been listening to obsessed joseph scrimshaw and his guest shared some stories with the rest rate five stars if you're impressed obsessed.